You found a podcast where you'll hear the truth And we will praise Jesus' name We stand for the Bible and won't back down from it Although it don't bring much fame Some folks will like it, some will try to deny it But God's word will always stand true Hello friends, welcome to another episode of the Pod King Bible Study. I'm your co-host, Donald King. And I'm the host of this study, Donnie King. This is Friday, November the 18th, special edition number 56. Why are we warned to try the spirits? On this podcast, we study the Bible according to how it was written in the original languages, Greek and Hebrew, and how it was translated into English in the King James Version. In our last study, we looked at a portion of Revelation that is more than amazing. We studied a subject that many people rarely mention. We're given a glimpse inside the throne room of God. We talked about the Holy of Holies inside the tabernacle and the one found inside the temple. We know that the Holy of Holies was the most sacred place on earth because it is where God dwelt among men. The throne room is where God dwells in heaven. We pointed out several intriguing things that are found within this powerful portion of Scripture. In today's episode, we tackle a question that was sent in by a faithful listener. The question they sent in was, why are we warned to try the spirits? They said that this seems like this creates a paradox. If we are to be careful not to get in the wrong spirit, why are we to try the spirits? Am I overlooking something here? We answer this question scripturally, and then we talk about what this includes. We believe this is one of those episodes that you don't want to miss. So go ahead and give it a listen. And now for the teaching of God's Word and the lesson for today, I'll turn it to the host of our podcast, Brother Donnie King. We want to thank you for joining us today. We have a good topic. I feel like that it's something that every person who has been in church any amount of time has probably thought about questioned or wondered about. So in this episode, we're tackling another question that's been sent in by one of our faithful listeners. And I want to thank all of our faithful listeners for being faithful. If it weren't for you listening in to us, there'd be no need for us doing this podcast. And we thank you for your support and your listening. The question they sent us was this, why are we warned to try the spirits? Seems like this creates a paradox. If we are to be careful not to get into the wrong spirit, why are we to try the spirits? Am I overlooking something here? Okay, so allow me to give a quick clarification before I begin. Number one, we don't have to get into a bad spirit ourselves to try the spirits. It seems like in the question that that point was somewhat part of the question, and I want to clarify that from the very beginning. What we're doing is we are testing the spirits to see whether they are of God or not. If we were to try a bad spirit and get into a bad spirit just to see if it was good or not, that defeats the whole purpose. So I understand the paradox that the person is speaking of, but this does not create a paradox. It doesn't create a problem. We're not trying to get into a wrong spirit to see if it is wrong or not. We're testing the spirits to see whether they are of God or not. Number one, you can feel the difference. There's a very big difference between the spirit of God and the spirit of the devil. Now, I do know that the devil will try to be deceptive, but yet there is a vast difference between the spirit of God and the spirit of the enemy. Sometimes you can see, sometimes you can hear the difference between the true spirit of God and all false spirits. This shouldn't be a confusing topic to true believers. 
I guess that's really what I'm trying to say here. And I agree. But there are many spirits at work in the land today, so I will give them that much uh, leeway into this because there's a lot of spirits at work. There's a lot of things going on in the world in which we live. So I understand deception is probably one of the most predominant spirits that is at work in our hour. And if you're deceived by a spirit, you'll be deceived into the wrong spirit, and thereby you'll not know the true spirit of God. So I want to break down just a few things here and talk about a little bit before we get into our scriptures. The word spirit comes from a Greek word, pneuma, which is translated as air, as wind, and as breath. This is where our English word pneumatic comes from, which means air power. Yes, pneumonia also originates from the same word, and pneumonia is an upper respiratory problem. Pneumonia hinders your breathing because your lungs are filled with fluid or congestion, whatever you want to refer to that as. The spirit of man, though, consists of the breath in his lungs. The spirit of man also consists of his rational disposition, and the spirit of man is also tied very tightly with the mind. One thing that we do know is that when you quit breathing, you are dead. When the breath leaves your body, you're dead. We also know that when the spirit has departed from your body, you are also dead. So the breath and the spirit are tightly connected. We know that the spirit has a direct attachment to our mind and our mental faculties. There's much documented proof stating that the last thing to stop working at death is the mind. I've read some of those things myself. I've even heard that after the heart has stopped beating, the mind can still be alert for a matter of minutes and you can hear and sometimes you can communicate with people through squeezing their hand or stuff like that even after your heart has stopped beating. We've given the definition of the spirit of man, but what about the spirit of God? Well, that's fair enough, and we do need to mention this if we're going to talk about spirits because the spirit that we need to get a hold of and that we all need in our lives is the Spirit of God, and the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God. All throughout the Bible, you find references to the Spirit of God, and in those references, we see him referenced as air, we see him referenced as wind, and we see him referenced as breath. In Luke 24 and 50, Jesus took them out as far as to Bethany, and he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Then we see in Acts chapter 2 and verse 2, the coming of the Holy Ghost is announced as a rushing mighty wind. As a matter of fact, it says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Then if you go back into the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 2, we see that the Spirit of God at the very beginning was moving upon the face of the waters. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. We see that all of these symbolize the Spirit of God, which is the Holy Ghost. So we realize when the Spirit of God was moving upon the face of the waters, this is the Holy Ghost in action. Yeah, this means that the wind began to blow upon the waters and separated them. That's right. The same wind that blew into the room there at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is the very same wind that was blowing upon the waters as the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. And if you want to get technical, it was the same wind of the Spirit of God that parted the waters at the Red Sea. It was also the same wind of the Spirit that David heard the sound of in the tops of the mulberry trees, and then when he followed that wind, it led him into a victorious battle. Wow, there literally is numerous examples for this principle. 
There are all throughout Scripture. There's several points that we, that could be made from this. There's countless spirits, though, that are in the world today besides the Spirit of God. Can you name some of them? I will. I can't name all of them right off the top of my head, but I'll give you a few examples. Number one, there's lying spirits. There's seducing spirits. There's deceiving spirits, as I've already mentioned. There are adulterous spirits. There's bad spirits, unclean spirits, dumb spirits. I would go as far as to say there's spirits of pride, spirits of greed, spirits of lust. I believe there's spirits of hatred and spirits of jealousy as well. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with that. And the spirit of carnality is one of the things that seems to be killing our churches today. Could you explain to the audience what is so bad about carnality? Well, actually, I would love to because carnality is one of those things that it's so easy to get involved in and it's so prevalent in our churches. To be carnal is to be self-centered. Anyone you see that is very self-centered, they live a carnal lifestyle. To be spiritual is the exact opposite. So to be spiritual is to be Christ-centered. To be carnal is to be filled with self. To be spiritual is to be filled with the Spirit. Do you know what makes people so carnal? Yeah, simply put, they're not full of the Spirit. What kind of people are spiritual? Those who are not full of self. So it just okay. you, you turn it around. It's either the Spirit or it's self. Self, sin, and Satan are the three biggest enemies against the Spirit of God. All right, you have mentioned several kinds of spirits already. So where were you going before we got sidetracked? Well, it would be appropriate to teach against all of these different spirits that we've already talked about and mentioned, but I feel led to tackle one spirit in particular. I believe that the most prevalent and the most predominant spirit that we battle today is one that we haven't even mentioned as yet. Oh, yeah? Which spirit is that? Well, I'm speaking of the Antichrist spirit. This is what I want to focus on for the remainder of this episode. Now, that's not to say that you'll never have a problem with a lying spirit, a seducing spirit, a deceiving spirit, a spirit of adultery, a spirit of lust, a spirit of jealousy. But what I'm saying is the most prevalent spirit today, even above the spirit of lust that seems to encompass so many people, there's an antichrist spirit that is trying to take over our nation. I can only think of a couple of verses that named the antichrist. So you've got my interest up now. Well, as I go over the following verses, allow them to soak into your mind, and I hope the audience does the same way. Or you can allow them to speak to your spirit. <laughs> yeah, pardon the pun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, the first place that I want to go to is 1 John chapter 4. I want to read verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. This is the scripture that the question was based out of, and this is why I want to come here, and I want to do this for a purpose. The listener asked, why are we to try the spirits? We're warned against, you know, getting into the wrong spirit, and now we're told to try the spirits. Okay, I want to show you what John is talking about here. He's not just talking about any random spirit in particular. He wants us to know the true spirit of God. If you know the true spirit of God, you'll detect the false spirit immediately. But listen to what spirit John is mainly warning about. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try these spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. This is how you're going to know if it's the true spirit. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. We can glean a few things from just a casual reading of this passage. Number one, we're not to believe every spirit. 
that is the main point that John was making. And it's true because we are to try, we're the test, we're to prove, we're to examine, and we're to discern the spirits. Everyone should realize that not all spirits are of God. Why would John warn us not to believe every spirit if spirit means breath, air, and wind? That's a good question. Why should he warn us about the air? Well, I believe he had a very good reason, and I'm going to allow Paul to answer you and the audience on this one. Ephesians 2, verses 2 and 3. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Okay, right here, he links the air, the prince of the power of the air, with the spirit that's working in the children of disobedience. So he's warning us against the air, mainly because of the spirits that are in the air. That spirit is now working in the children of disobedience. Those who disobey God are guilty of giving in to the prince of the power of the air, which is a spirit. I've always wondered why the devil is called the prince of the power of the air. I believe it's because he controls multitudes of spirits. And I also believe that he is the ruling prince and he's loose in this world going about as the wind blows. He's going everywhere to and fro sick and whom he may devour. Okay. John knew this and warned us against the air, which in turn would warn us of other spirits. That's exactly right. And I believe that there's other reasons that factor into this as well. Oh, yeah? Such as? Well, is it just a huge coincidence that phones, TVs, and the internet, and even radios are all transmitted through airwaves? Think of all the ways that the prince of the power of the air has used these mediums to pull away people after another spirit. When I was a boy, many of our modern inventions had not even been created yet. That's true. We had a telephone, a radio, and television had been invented, but none of them was anything like they are today. No, and just in the last 10 to 20 years, we've seen that simple gadget that we used to know as only a phone turn into a multifaceted tool of the devil. Yeah, years ago, one of the worst sins that could be committed on a phone was gossiping. That's true, and that's very minor today compared to what's being done. Don't forget, though, all of the backbiting and all of the arguments that have been ended by someone hanging up the phone, slamming it down in an effort to show their anger. But those things seem minor compared to what some of our wholeness people have gotten caught up with in recent times. That's true. We have teens who get into sexting, which is something I would have never dreamed of. I, I never perceived that anything like that could ever happen. But now it has, and it's going on. And it's a problem that we need to get our teenagers ready for and warn them against. What about the multitudes of people who have fallen to Internet porn? That's exactly right. There's scores of people that are guilty of this. People that are listening to secular music on their phones. They're watching inappropriate shows on their phones. By being able to stream them at their own convenience, anytime, any place that they are, we used to worry about them getting off somewhere and going to a neighbor's house and watching the TV, but now they have this at their fingertips. Years ago, the big thing preachers hammered was TV, and basically all of the holiness people would get rid of them. But today, people can watch TV right there on their phones and not think a thing about it. You're right. Well, how many people do you reckon have been led away and seduced by an evil spirit which used these tools that we're talking about of the adversary? These tools, there's no doubt about it. The adversary has got involved in them. Am I saying it's wrong to use a phone? Absolutely not. Am I saying you can't do wrong on a phone? 
Absolutely not as well. You can do wrong on them, but it's up to what's in your heart that'll determine what you do. How could we be so foolish to allow this to happen? Well, I don't know if it's foolishness or if it's just being seduced by spirit. In reality, though, our problem isn't so much the phone. It isn't so much the TV. It isn't so much the Internet as it is the evil spirits that's behind it all. Now, we've talked about how the enemy uses the air to seduce us with false spirits. But did you know that he could also use the wind? And what could be so detrimental about the wind? Well, once again, I'm going to allow Paul to speak for me. He seems to articulate his thoughts better than I can. Plus, he was an apostle, and I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Ephesians 4 and 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Did you catch that? He said you can be tossed to and fro and carried about with what? Every wind of doctrine, every spirit that's behind every doctrine can lure you away just as easily as the wind blows. The enemy of our souls can send a spirit by our way and tempt us and lead us away as the wind blows through a tree. So Paul is saying that if we are childish, we could find ourselves in trouble after a while. Yes, we can. And those in our churches, they're up today, they're down tomorrow, they're in today, they're out next week. They're being controlled by another spirit rather than the spirit of God. Do you really believe that people are wrestling with spirits when they battle unfaithfulness? You're absolutely right about that. And I'm sure that that would make somebody get mad. But if you get mad, you got a bad spirit, too. (laughs) That's just proof and manifestation of the very spirit that is leading you away into unfaithfulness. The Spirit of God promotes faithfulness to Christ. So if you're anything other than faithful to Christ, you're following a false spirit. The devil uses doctrinal differences in an effort to deceive people. He'll try his best to lure you away by a doctrine, by something that sounds right. You'll hear and say, oh, oh, that sounds right. That, that even seems like the way I thought about that. But if you don't know the Bible, you won't know the Spirit of God because the Spirit and the Word, they agree. He also uses trickery and crafty spirits, which are lying in wait, hoping to deceive us. Amen. Every time you get wind of a false doctrine, guess what? It was brought to you by a spirit. Maybe our audience can see this a little clearer now. Well, I sure hope so. But some of them also may be wondering what the spirit and the mind have to do with one another. So we've connected several dots today for them in the air and in the wind. But we still got a few more things to go over. Well, what are you waiting for? Okay, well, let's jump in to this angle. You remember Legion, don't you? Yeah, he was a man out of his mind. That's right. So by reading Mark 5, verses 1 through 20, we notice in verses 2, verses 8, and verses 13 that Legion was possessed by numerous spirits. Okay, so I'm going to read you those three verses, but I highly encourage all of you to go and read Mark chapter 5 up to verse 20. Verse 2 says, And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Now, it just sounds like it's just one spirit when you first begin reading it. Verse 8 says, Jesus spoke unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Then you go down to verse 13, And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. If you back up into verse 12, All the devils besought him. What is it talking about? And verse 9 It says that the devil spoke to him, said, my name is Legion, for we are many. So one spirit came in 
and allowed many others to come into him. This man had no control over his mental capacity. Jesus cast the unclean spirits out, and then down in verse 15, the townspeople come out, and they find this man sitting there calmly. He had his clothes on, and he was in his right mind. Listen to it. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And guess what? The people rejoiced and shouted and they said, hey, preach us a revival right now. No, the Bible says, and they were afraid. He cast the devils out of the man and the people were afraid of Jesus now. When a bad spirit has you in its grasp, your mind doesn't think right. No, it doesn't. So let, let me point out that you, you made a great point, and I want to build off of that. Why else would people fight, molest, murder, stick needles in their veins, and any other thing like that? They don't have their right mind. That's exactly the point. It's because they're being controlled by an evil spirit, and that's why they don't have the right mind. I want to get back to the point of the Antichrist spirit that we were talking about. The Antichrist spirit has been slipping into our churches for a long time. All of this started back in Apostle John's time, didn't it? Yeah, for there were some saying that Christ wasn't divine back in those days. Others said that Jesus didn't come in the flesh. I remember reading in the Bible that some even said that the resurrection was past already. That's true, and all of that was going on, plus many other distortions of the truth. We have church people within our churches today who are being greatly influenced by this same spirit. Do you believe that every one of us could be deceived? No, I don't. There's some people who say, well, you can't ever know for sure. We may or may not be deceived ourselves. If so, we have no hope. We have absolutely no hope. I don't believe that, especially not when we have plenty of scripture to warn us of this very thing. Are there any more verses you'd like to share? Yes, I do. I've got a few more. First John 2 and 18 says, little children, it is the last time. And as you've heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. So we today are 2,000 years removed from John, and he said there's a lot of antichrists today, and you can tell that we're in the last time. So if John saw a lot of antichrist spirits and knew that he was in the last time, how much more do you think is going on today? One of the definitions of antichrist, though, might surprise you. We know that Antichrist is one who opposes Christ, but did you know that it can also be interpreted as one who pretends to be Christ? So Antichrist can be defined as someone who acts as if they are of Christ? That's exactly right. I believe this is one thing that makes the spirit so deceptive. Can you give us a rundown of some other definitions of Antichrist? Yes, because most everybody thinks anti means against, and so it's anything against Christ, and that's the only way they define the word Antichrist. Yeah. But it also means one who's against Christ, one who is in the place of Christ. It can mean a fake, a fraud, a hypocrite, a mock believer, a substitute, even a counterfeit Christian can fall under the category of Antichrist. There's another scripture I want to insert right here that describes this type of person, as a matter of fact. In Titus chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, he said, Unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. If a person professes to know him, but their works actually deny him, they are a counterfeit Christian. This means that it can be said that they are of the Antichrist spirit. Titus calls them abominable, 
detestable, disgusting, idolatrous. That's what it means. And if you really want the actual meaning of this word when it's transliterated straight from the Greek, it means to stink. He refers to them as a reprobate. He's calling them a reject, a castaway. He says they're worthless, they're unapproved, they're unaccepted. That's some pretty strong wordings right here. True believers know the truth, and we know the true spirit of God. By this knowledge, we should be able to detect a false spirit quickly. It seems the discernment of the people of God has been distorted in recent times, though. Are we too carnal to see every false spirit and to notice every temptation? I don't think we have to be in that place, but I'm afraid so many of us are. Jesus warned us in Matthew 24, verses 4 and 5, that many would come in his name saying that they were Christ or that they are of Christ. So what that is telling us is that's the Antichrist spirit trying to lead us away from Christ. There are so many people today that want us to receive them because they're religious. Yes, and they even come to us in the name of Christ, but their works deny him. How can this be so? They're of the Antichrist spirit. And here's the more familiar description found in 1 John 2, 22 and 23. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Can you define the word deny for us? Well, the word deny means to contradict, it means to reject, it means to disavow, it means to refuse. It can mean to withhold, to restrain, to speak against. It can mean to hide. It can mean to keep something back. It can mean to shut something up, and it can stop the flow. That's all of the meanings that deny can mean that's used right there in the Greek. This is exactly what the spirit of the Antichrist is doing today. The Antichrist spirit contradicts everything that Jesus ever did. It rejects him as the son of God. It denies he was born of a virgin. It denies he rose from the dead. It refuses to hear anything about him. The people who are of this spirit, they boldly speak against Christ. They're trying to restrain us from preaching in his name right now today. They want to withhold the knowledge of him from the world. That's true. And they want to keep us back. They want to shut us up and they want to stop the message of Jesus Christ being preached. I want to read you another portion of scripture found in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. What does Peter mean when he says the way of truth shall be evil spoken of? Well, we know from John 14 and 6 that Jesus is both the way and the truth. And Peter uses the way of truth. So he's speaking of Christ. Peter was warning of an outright attack on Jesus Christ. He said they deny even the Lord who bought them. They were already purchased to be his, but they rejected his payment for their souls. So to deny is also the opposite of to confess. So if I confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, but you don't receive him, you deny him as Lord and Savior. We must confess him in order to be saved. So to deny is essentially the same as to recant. Yes, you could say that. In 1 John 4 and 3, he says, Every spirit that confesseth not 
that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. You know why? Because they're denying him. To deny him is to be anti or against him. This is why he goes on in the second half of the verse, and he says, this is the spirit of Antichrist. Where have you heard that it should come? And even now, already is it in the world. If you fail to confess these truths, you've denied him by your deeds. God save us from the Antichrist spirit. Amen. The only way to truly overcome the spirits that are in the world is to accept God's spirit. Okay? Now, I understand a lot of people thinking, well, what does that mean? That means we need to receive Christ. And if you have Jesus Christ, you have his spirit. For the Bible said, if you have not the spirit of Christ, you're none of his. So if you have the spirit of Christ within you, your spirit will not link up with a false spirit, with an evil spirit, with a seducing spirit, nor with the spirit of the Antichrist. Jesus Christ is the only absolute reality and truth that this world needs. The Antichrist spirit would like to do away with this kind of thinking, but it doesn't have the power to get rid of Christ. This spirit is constantly working to take Jesus out of our culture. It may eventually take Jesus out of the the larger culture that we live in. We really can't stop that from happening completely. God can, but we can't. But one thing that we know for certain, the Antichrist spirit cannot take Jesus out of our lives, out of our hearts, or out of our minds. People may deny that Jesus existed. Well, history is against them in that. So they want to try to change how everyone views him now since they can't change history. They're doing this so people will deny him. That's right. And our godless culture today portrays Jesus in so many different ways. Some say that he was a madman who thought that he was God. Some people have said, well, he was a sodomite with John the Beloved. How blasphemous can you get? Some said he was an adulterer with Mary Magdalene. Where in the world did they get that from other than the pits of hell and a spirit that came against Christ? Some people say that he was the leader of the world's largest cult, People call Christianity a cult. It's the only true religion out there. And there's many other pernicious ways that they're trying to destroy who Jesus Christ is. Just the mention of his name in a public building in certain places in this country. Now, I'm not talking about Iran. I'm not talking about over in China. I'm talking about in this country, just the mention of the name of Jesus in a public building, saying a prayer that ends with his name will bring an attack upon Christ and his followers. Dear listeners, what spirit are you following today? I believe that all believers should bind together today and fight against that Antichrist spirit that's trying to take foothold among this world in which we live, but even more so among our churches. Do you know the best way how to fight a false spirit? By having the true spirit of God within us. That's what we need. And can I ask the audience today, do you have the spirit of God living inside of you right now? If you don't, You need him more than you ever have realized in your life. We need the Spirit of God. That's how we can tell a false spirit from the true. That's how we can know how to fight against the false spirits and how to war against the Antichrist spirit. And in answer to our question, this is why we were warned to try the spirits, because we need to know the true Spirit of God so we'll know the false ones. Friends, we surely pray today that you have the Spirit of God within you and you know who Jesus is. We hope you've enjoyed this today. And friends, remember, if you got a Bible question that you'd like an answer to, drop us an email at dkministries1977 at yahoo.com. That's dkministries1977 at yahoo.com. We want to encourage you to send your questions to us, and we'll certainly give you an answer. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today, sharing God's Word. But until next time, may God bless you all.
Please come back next Monday, November the 21st, for episode number 91, The Four Beasts of Revelation, Chapter 4. I'll gladly bear the reproach, Lord, for the gospel's sake. Where I go, you've already been there, cause I'm walking in Jesus' name. Well, I'm walking in Jesus' name, I'm going where he bid me go. I'm dressing and talking like he wants me to, he's a keeper of my soul. I have learned to lean on Jesus and cast on him my ever concern. I'm looking for a home in glory where no sorrow